Welcome back to Russell Street Replay. I'm really, really excited to have James Ogden uh, here on the podcast to talk about the 2023 Ravens draft class. It was it was a long weekend, certainly a bit longer for you there across the pond, James. But how are you feeling about the Ravens draft class this year? Yeah, really good. Um, like I think uh, I, I adore Zay Flowers, and 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 a draft class is is really made or or break broken by that that first that first round pick. So. For me, Flowers was a was a really great pick. Obviously, a bit hamstrung by having just those five, just the five picks originally, and then the six picks, and and not having the second. I, th- I felt there was a good concentration of talent in this draft class in the second round. So, sort of missing that was a little bit sort of disappointing on on night two. But yeah, definitely uh, very happy with Zay Flowers. So pretty happy with the with the class overall. And, and yeah. Uh, stayed up till four or five AM, which is what, what it takes on this side of the pond to be a to be a draft fan, which is which is fun. That's dedication right there. Yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, the Ravens made so many picks last year. Uh, at some some points last year, I really thought that they were going to try and trade back and get some more draft capital for the future for this year. Um, and and they didn't do that. And I thought they actually might try and do that again this year, trade back to pick up either more picks in this draft class or more picks in next year's class, which is what has been expected to be. And I guess they say this almost every year, but expected to be a really, really good draft class again next year. And so they didn't do either of those things. In fact, they picked up an extra pick, a really smart move, a really shrewd EDC move. I felt like that we'll get into later Uh, before we get specifically in all the Ravens picks. I wanted to get your take on this. How do you feel about draft grades kind of immediately after the draft? Everyone loves to, you know, grade the picks and grade teams, draft classes. And there was a lot of like, I felt like an unusually high amount of discussion, not about the grades themselves, but about the concept of, of draft grades. To me, it's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, did you like the pick? Is it what you would have done in that situation? And it's, it's, it's not that deep. Um, what do you think of draft grades? Do you like to put grades on players? Yeah, I, I, I don't love to do the grades myself, but I kind of get why people do. I, you know, I, the thing for me, I suppose is, um, you know, my, like my, the, the way I've been taught in terms of evaluation, you're projecting a player to sort of say, this is what he might be in this scheme, in this, um, in this context. And so I kind of get, grades from that perspective of sort of saying my evaluation of this player I think works in this team because of this fit this scheme fit where they fit personnel wise like I kind of get it from that perspective but I also get the flip side of it because you're you're actually you know if you're trying to project a guy and what he's going to be you probably want to wait two three years to see what that guy's going to be before you actually give a grade and that's the only way I sort of look at it from a grades perspective from a negative perspective against grades but they're they're pretty fun and and I think it is worth a it is worth a conversation about having watched the player how that person how that player is going to fit with that team um, and whether you like that pick at that time with what was available and and teams I mean I'll let you sort of come in on this one but I feel like teams are I feel over the last few years and including the Ravens to an extent Certainly, early on in the draft, teams are seem to be focusing more on need than than they have done in previous years. I, I think it's harder to believe teams, maybe with the Trent and Simpson pick this year, but it's harder to believe teams when they say we took the best player on our board. It does feel like they forsake um, need, they forsake bit sort of value for need a bit more than they used to. Yeah, and I think the Ravens get this knock of best player available, and I just in the I feel like. From 2019 to 2021, that was very much not the case to me. It felt like they were consistently going after areas where they needed to add either immediate help or they needed a depth player. They needed a rookie that could contribute some snaps in his first few years, even if he's not a full-time starter. And I, I just found it interesting. And then uh, the the 2022 draft was, it really felt like best player, best player, best player, best player. And the whole thing with draft grades is is kind of kind of part of that, right? If you have, you know, say you have Joey Porter Jr. as your 20th ranked player in the draft. Well, if, you know, every pick that you're grading after that isn't Joey Porter Jr. and you think he's the better player available, you're going to knock that draft grade down. I think that's the illogical way of doing draft grades. I think the right way to do it is to do what you said, which is look at players and their fit in the team and understand what a team was trying to accomplish with that pick and then understand if they were effective in doing so, or if you think they'll be effective in doing so, like you're saying about projection. So, yeah, I think it's just an interesting exercise. I don't think it's any, you know, I don't think it 
is the end all be all for any team, what their draft grades are. You know, I just think it's an interesting way to, to, to look at the draft after the fact. And of course we're in this period now for a few weeks where there's just nothing to talk about, but the draft, um, you know, we'll, we'll be putting up some round table grades on roster report soon. I just think it's fun to get different perspectives too. I think that's where the other interest comes in. If you're just one person writing a bunch of grades, you're only getting your perspective. And that's less interesting. I think when you have a bunch of different contributors, like we have on the blog to, you know, give our different takes, um, even though we do all love Zay flowers. And that's kind of what I want to segue into here. The Ravens took Zay flowers, the 22nd overall pick. Uh, he, he was excited. He seems really excited to be in Baltimore to get to play with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens seemed ecstatic. I mean, it seems like, and again, you, you say this teams are tending to go more for need than just value, but it seems like he was far and away their number one player on the board of any position at that point. They seem to be very, very high on him. Yeah, and I, I would concur with them. I think this is it's something I've always been interested in is is how they set their board because they, they clearly set sort of a horizontal board and, and look across position by position and, and are able to see value. And when they say this guy was at the top of our board, I don't actually think they mean it's a linear board where this guy was like number 10 and no one else was there till number 16. I think they look across the positions and they see weighted is this person in line with with some of these other people are they slightly above and so they do it in that way i think um and that's how sometimes best player available looks like need because actually they're looking at it across positions i i suspect from the way they and, and you could see it from a long way out i think adam bonacorsi put out a tweet um who sort of retweeted a tweet that i saw back in january when the the ravens were apparently plastered to zay flowers at the east west shrine bowl um so it just feels like that that was the uh, that he was very high on their board, and and I would have him that high too. I think like for me, he he is a potential difference maker. He's a he's a, I know he's small, um, but I just I I feel and I feel that he's been lumped in with all of the other small wide receiver prospects in this class. When actually, when you turn the tape on there are several differentiators for Zay Flowers that will that will make him I I think the best skill position player in this class eventually once once it's all said and done and that that to get that type of value at 22 was was crazy you know it feels like he would for me have been in my top 10 to 15 players in the class so that that is an outrageous value at that point and you absolutely smash smash the uh, the phone, the the buttons on the phone to get that, to get that done. Yeah. Yeah. Reading later that the giants were actually trying to trade up to get flowers, um, you know, kind of, I guess kind of makes you feel good. And you're like, you know, especially sniping a team like the giants who have, you know, kind of become the Ravens North in a way. Uh, and, and I think that the thing that excites me about flowers is the fact that he's coming into this offense instead of the previous offense, the offense, the Hollywood Brown wanted to get traded out of again, they're both small receivers. I don't I don't like that comparison at all. I think they're extremely different players, play extremely differently. Uh, and, and like you're saying, Flowers has just sky-high potential in terms of the players in this draft. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is, you know, a favorite wide receiver for a lot of people in this class. He was mine um, just because the guy seems to just understand everything about the wide receiver position. Um, but there is that lack of kind of infinite upside ceiling there that you do get with Zay Flowers and everything that he brings to the table. Uh, and you mentioned l- lumping him in with the rest of the song receivers. And I agree, that's a, big, that's a big mistake when it comes to Flowers and you watch his film because you could argue that at five foot nine, he plays a more physical, aggressive brand of football than the six foot three, six foot four Quentin Johnston. Like Johnston plays like a guy who is significantly smaller than he is. Whereas flowers is like, I do not care what my listed size is. I am going to find a way to beat you. And and you just love bringing that attitude into Baltimore's receiving room to to play with Lamar Jackson. What, what are you looking for specifically from flowers in this Munkin offense this year? I think, um, you know, you mentioned the previous offense and, and, for, for Zay Flowers, I think it's going to be a joy to not be in the offense that he was in at Boston College, uh, specifically with the personnel, because I think that's the thing that you you look at when you start your evaluation of him is to sort of say, what what is the context here? And this guy was the guy at Boston College. Like there was there was no one else to account for. He was getting the ball. No, there, there was no one else getting the ball. And there were times when the 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 QB would not even get it in his zip code. Like it was absolutely horrendous. Some of those, 
some of the targets he was trying to get were uh, it was just it was so frustrating watching and and also frustrating seeing him streak open on several occasions when the 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 QB just did, just did not uh, work through their progressions particularly effectively did not spot him it was just it was a real frustration watching him so I can't imagine what a frustration it was for him playing in that offense um but you know the kids stayed extremely loyal and then to to come into this Monken offense I think what I see is a guy who's gonna I, I think he's What's great is that there was a lot of talk about DeAndre Hopkins all the way leading up to the draft. And I, what I felt was that Hopkins, while he is a very different player to Beckham and Bateman, there is some there are some similarities between those three players. And what I like about Zay Flowers within this offense is that they're definitely going to use a lot more 11 personnel than they've used. The 11 personnel was the, the they are like, if you haven't seen the stats, anybody listening, it's they are sign, the, the Ravens have been the significantly lowest um, utilizer of 11 personnel in the league by 20, 30 percentage points um, over other teams. So they'll use a lot more 11 personnel, which will include, say, Flowers and Odell and Rashad Bateman. And I think what, what they've got in those three guys is actually three guys who can all work a lot of the different positions within the within the um, the Ravens offense. Like Odell has done his best work out of the slot in recent years. Bateman, I think, can play all three positions. I think Zay Flowers can also play all three positions. Um, they are obviously all better suited to certain positions. I do like Zay in the slot, um, running posts, corners. Like That's when he's going to be at his most dangerous. But it feels to me like they have a person, like a real, really flexible wide receiver grouping now that can kind of do a lot of different things. And I think Zay Flowers is is going to be not just a guy on post and post and corners that you can target deep, but he's also really good in short areas on those hard angle routes where you're going to be able to get him as a as a safety valve for Lamar. And it's the the best thing about Zay Flowers is he's a really obvious safety valve for Lamar to do some of those routine throws a bit more consistently. Because Zay Flowers is so this is the thing that sets him apart for me is he's so explosive. Just and he utilizes that so well at the break point that that initial that explosiveness in the break, that acceleration out of the break, which is really where he's next level. That acceleration and that shows up on film as well. You're getting a guy who's so so going to be so open in those short areas that he's a really going to be a really effective safety valve for Lamar. So I just think he's a really great addition to this offense, and and the way I think Munkin's going to run this offense is going to really suit him. I think. Yeah, watching that Flowers film was was. Cr- I mean, you're I'm watching games from you know months ago, and I'm screaming at like I, I don't think there's any other game really where I was watching. I was screaming at like the I was getting mad at at all 22 film. I was like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but that's that's how frustrating it was. I, I think what you're mentioning about Flowers, his explosiveness. Um, one reason I'm really excited to see what the Ravens do is just scheming up more yards after catch opportunities. It's just not something Greg Roman was really his forte, which was you know he he. he wasn't great at scheming space in general, but in terms of setting up his guys to pick up yards after the catch was not his forte. And I'm really excited to see what Flowers does in that regard, because uh, I think it's something that you've noted. You noted about, I believe, Traylon Burks last year, something I noticed about Rashad Bateman um, this year in a couple of his plays. And Flowers does the same thing, angling his body and his legs to get ready to explode out of the catch instead of just making the catch and then turning up field. He, he has some concentration drops. It's something that he's got. He's got to get it together on. But having that skill and that innate ability to just, okay, I am going to explode out of the catch. I'm not just going to catch the ball and run. I'm going to catch the ball and explode. Um, I think that's a really subtle skill that it's really good to see that he's already picking up on. Yeah. On the, on the hands thing as well. I think um, that is the one area I was trying to be, be, be as balanced as possible. And is the one area where uh, I do think there's a kind of, there is a play strength thing with him um, at the, the catch point and, and in his release. But actually, the, the the way he separates consistently both at, at the release point and at the catch point is is through his acceleration, through his athletic ability. So I'm not hugely worried about some of that. He, the 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 cornerback has to be exactly right to be able to really disrupt him with with play strength. Like it, they have to be long. They have to have their timing right with their hands. Like it all has to work to really disrupt him. And they can do that if that's the case. But he's so good with his lower body 
in the release that it's not as much of a problem. The hands thing is is a thing that I think he does need to work on. There are there are a lot of receivers in this draft that have some issues with the hands and have genuine deficiencies with the hands and the way they catch the football. I feel for Flowers, it was mostly mostly concentration drops, which is which is eminently fixable. Like that really is fixable. Uh, it's not something like it's not like. Brashad Perryman, where we heard it was concentration drops, but it actually wasn't. It was a fundamental flaw with the way he caught the ball. Um, there, are, there were a few times I saw some issues with with um, with the way he caught the ball, the, uh, like a little bit of a, a technical deficiency that is a little bit harder to fix. So he does need to fix that. Like I, do, I do think that is going to be something that is potentially going to show up at the next level. And so, how good he is will depend on that because he's so he's so good with the ball in his hands after the catch. Like how good, how much he fixes that issue will depend on how good he is. But if he fixes that, this is the this is the thing about projection and why I like Smith and Jigba as well. But when you look at Flowers with the projection, if he fixes that issue with his hands and if he gets remotely stronger in terms of play strength, the, 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 I'm, I'm not kidding when I said like the ceiling is top five receiver in the league. Like that, that is his ceiling. Like he's he is that good. Um, if he fixes those slight deficiencies in his game, um, and that's why I'm so excited about the pick. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that just lo- loading up the offense and and you know remembering like what Lamar has been able to accomplish with you know worse worse receivers, guys who were not as good at getting open and picking up yards after the catch and just being being dangerous. They were just guys. Uh, you know that that is that is one of the things that's really exciting about this pick to come. You know, just hours after locking him down, which you know, kind of made the first round be perfect, no matter kind of what the Ravens went with, it felt like, but then going with flowers and really doubling down on that offense is like, okay, there we're, we're here. We're coming. Um, uh, mo- moving on, to, you know, the Ravens, as we mentioned, they didn't have a second round pick as everyone expected. They did put up a graphic on Twitter saying our, our second round pick this year is Roquan Smith, which I love. Um, but then they went in their third round pick right after with another linebacker, Trenton Simpson. And I, I think that was a really interesting pick. I've, I've, you know, gotten into more of his film. And I think that he is um, a, a really, really dynamic defender. I think that he brings a lot of what Mike McDonald wants to do um, in terms of the way he's constructing this defense with kind of some of your traditional role players. You've got, you know, your center field deep safety and Marcus Williams. You've got your um, your beefy nose tackles and Michael Pierce and Travis Jones. You've got your inside outside edge rushers. Uh, and, you know, I, if Justin Newsom comes back, Odafe Owe, you've got your classic edge rusher, your speeder rusher, and David Ojabo. Um, but he's also really focusing on building in these these versatile players. These these I've, I keep calling them defensive weapons because I think that is the best way to describe them. He doesn't want to just sit back and defend his own end zone. He wants to attack other offenses. He wants to make life as hard for them as some offenses have made the Ravens' defense life really hard recently. Um, and so I think that Trenton Simpson is. Uh, kind of part of that. I think that, you know, he has a lot of dynamic, uh, versatile qualities to him. He played everywhere in college the last two years. Um, and I think having that experience already kind of sets him up to do something similar in the pros. Whereas a guy like Patrick Queen, who really only played traditional inside backer in college, was really only in that one role, kind of harder for him to come into the league and start doing, you know, a very versatile, start playing a bunch of different positions. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, um, yeah, for me, Trenton Simpson can be very versatile, and I think you're right; can be used as a, as a weapon. The one thing I would, and I know you didn't mean this, but I think I've seen some stuff on Twitter that I would pump the brakes on, which is like, "Oh, Kyle Hamilton will move to safe traditional safety, and Trenton Simpson will play that role." I, I don't think he can do that right now. Um, I think he looks really comfortable. Uh, two years ago in Brent Venable's scheme where he sort of played the overhang defender. That to me was where I think the Ravens will start his usage with in 2023. I think that's what where he'll start. We have to remember that Cal Hamilton is a very special football player. Uh, the way in which he diagnoses plays, he, he reads the game at an exceptionally high level. He has outstanding explosion, uh, vertical explosion, uh, sorry, um, vertical explosion from a standing start from backwards to forwards movement. Um, So he's really uniquely created, really, to be able to play that sort of versatile position in the nickel where he's able to impact on the game in multiple multiple situations and in different ways. And Trenton Simpson has the athletic ability. I mean, he's he's more athletic than Kyle Hamilton is... um, like he has that athletic ability. He just does, he hasn't 
he hasn't got the processing speed for the game yet when he's asked to do too much. Like when, when he was in that overhang role, when he was asked to do what he needs to do, he actually was really effective. He could, uh, he could read and react a lot quicker. Uh, his trigger was much quicker. It, it also meant he was more effective at some of the things that he needs to be as a linebacker, like getting off blocks. Like he he's, he's actually pretty good at stacking and shedding, even setting an edge. Um, it just sort of despite his size against really much bigger offensive linemen uh, when he was at the overhang. But you saw him then be a bit more deficient with that in, in the next year, just because I felt just because he was being asked to do more uh, and process more. And so he couldn't get in good positions to be able to take on blocks. So he didn't look as good then. But the kid plays really fast. He's incredibly athletic. Um, I think you can play him in underneath zones and, and he'll he'll have an impact there. I think because I I do think his his zone coverage was pretty his zone awareness was pretty good. He sort of had a really nice feel for crosses in behind him. Um, but I think I, I, you can obviously blitz him all day long. Um, and if you're going to ask him to play the overhang, I think I think it's going to work occasionally. I, I just at, the, at this point he's like you mentioned, Nikhil, he's a weapon in that defense that they can use and deploy at different points. He is not an he's not an every down player right now. Um, he may develop into that because he has the athletic ability to do it. And once he gets in the Ravens coaching, there's a chance that, you know, he maybe succeeds Patrick Queen in a year's time. Um, but that's still to be seen, I think. But I think they will be able to get him on the field this year and start using him creatively. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about his role this year. And it's, you know, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton. I want to make it clear before I say what I'm about to say is that I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, they're, they're not the same players. They're very different players. But I think Trent Simpson could be deployed in terms of his his usage rate, his situational usage in a similar way Kyle Hamilton was last year. Not in the same situations, in the same roles, but kind of as a teaser to kind of put him in roles where he's semi-comfortable um, and get him on the field, get him on the field for specific matchups, potentially kind of like the Ravens did last year with Kyle Hamilton. Again, not the same matchups, not the same you know responsibilities and things like we're saying here, but having queen on the roster already and and i i just i think i'd be surprised if the team traded queen i think partially because they they probably cannot get the value that they would want for him over getting a comp pick for him next year um so instead they're going to be able to just play queen and roquan together all year which is fantastic for both of them fantastic for this defense and simpson gets to come in and be you know the change of pace change of pace guy he gets to you know if there's a matchup that you don't want queen taking on in coverage you, you can bring in Simpson there. You can do different things with him and kind of get him some of that experience and work him onto the field without saying, okay, you need to come in as a third round inside linebacker and be ready to play every down. Because I, I say this all the time, inside linebacker has got to be the hardest position to transition into in the NFL on defense. And we've seen that with Patrick Queen firsthand, right? Very, very rarely do you have guys like Roquan Smith who are, they step in, they're impact players on day one as a rookie and they're, all pros by the end of their rookie contract. That's rare. And so having that, um, you know, having that in Roquan next to Queen, you don't feel like you have to press Simpson into too much action initially, kind of the same way when we had Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark in last year, and we didn't have to put in Kyle Hamilton every single down and we really could develop him. And they had a really good development plan for him, I felt like, in terms of helping him just get up to speed of the NFL game, figure out what his role was going to be or his multiple roles were going to be in this defense. And I feel like they can do the same thing with Trenton Simpson this year, the way the roster is, is set up right now, so that they can kind of nurture that athletic talent and start to build up his processing ability to maybe be the dynamic weapon that they want to kind of go along with Kyle Hamilton and Roquan Smith in the middle of the field, which is, you know, really, I think, I think I've heard you say this before, where a lot of NFL games are won and lost now. Um, and having, you know, those three guys potentially really athletic, if they can get their, if you, they can get Simpson's processing up to speed, um, playing next to Roquan and next to Kyle Hamilton, you know, th there's a lot of potential there, but I agree that this year it's, it, it is, it is a rookie year for an inside linebacker. And that's something I think we need to remember. We'll definitely, I think, see an exciting splash player two out of him. Um, but I also think we'll probably see him misread some things and, and have some of those growing pains at inside linebacker that we see for pretty much everyone in the league. What did you think of the pick in, in general? And did you have a lot of scouting done on Simpson before? So Simpson was one of the guys uh, I haven't been able to do as much scouting this year as, I, as I've, as I've done over previous years, uh, this, that will go back to normal next year. Uh, but Simpson was one of the guys uh, and so that I will be releasing a guide again next year, but Simpson was one of the guys who I did manage to do pre-draft. So 
Um, I liked the pick where it was. Like I saw there was some sort of, uh, you know, I think there are some Ravens fans who are now so obsessed with positional value that drafting a, a middle and off the ball linebacker in the third round, late in the third round, is is a sin. Um, I, I just felt like the value at that point was far too great, really, to pass up in a th- in a late third round pick, like. You know, you're, you're you're talking about the usage with Cal Hamilton. I think you're absolutely right. The sort of way in which they'll they'll get him through will be a similar type style of development plan. But I don't expect him to be making the same kind of plays that Hamilton was making down the stretch in the season, just because he's not the the same level of player. This is a third round pick. You are you are looking at a projection and looking at what a guy could be in the future. And for me, like the the ceiling of this kid. The potential there is really great, and that's and that's where he should like. That's the that's what you've got to be looking for in the third round. You're not the Ravens were not going to get a corner in the third round. He's going to start opposite Marlon Humphrey and give you a great uh, a great level of play. I'm going to probably going to eat those words at some point because there'll be there'll be a guy in the third or fourth round that ends up being a starting corner and being a good good player for a team this year probably, but. The likelihood of draft of actually hitting on that guy is pretty is pretty is pretty low. So uh, I, I just I feel like taking taking a swing at him there at that point was the right thing to do. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, tr- trust your board, right? Trust your evals, trust your board. That's that's what you have to go on. And I think that the Ravens, they said, look, it was a massacre in the third round as our guys just fell off the board one by one. I'm certain that there were multiple cornerbacks that they were looking at that they that got drafted, and they certainly didn't have the draft capital to go up and get them, um, especially a guy like DJ Turner who went, I think he was the 60th overall pick, I want to say, who was probably a target of theirs. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he was given the Michigan connection and the fact that I think he actually might have played better under Mike McDonald than he did um last year and so you know you 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 hope that you know you can get the guys you want and they're going to fall to you but you got to remember there's 31 other teams watching everything else watching all the same stuff doing all the same interviews and so they're getting all the same information that you are and so it is really hard to get those true steals in the NFL draft like people you know like people think you can I think people use the mock draft machine too much and they're like oh well you know, this person was always available at this pick. So why couldn't the Ravens get him? Well, it's not, it's never that simple. Um, but, but I, I do like the Simpson pick. I think that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a weapon. I'm going to keep saying that. And and we're, we're going to see McDonald, I think kind of tease him a little bit this year. And then assuming queen moves on after the 2020, after, after this season, um, which really seems like it'll be the case. I can't see them re-signing him. I think that's when we'll see Simpson kind of pressed into more action in 2024. And I think he may even be a little bit underwhelming to start the 2024 season as he comes into a more full-time role, but, um, his, his athletic potential, I mean, I just went to look up his RAS again. Um, his 1.48 second 10-yard split in the 40-yard dash is just just absurd. Absurd for a linebacker. And, and, and you're just really excited about all of the physical qualities that he brings to the defense. Um, and you got to trust this defensive coaching staff. I certainly do. Um, next pick Tavius Robinson. This was one that I don't think a lot of people had on their radar. Uh, the Ravens drafted him at the 124th overall pick, um, defensive end from Ole Miss, uh, doesn't, doesn't have a really clear projection to the NFL. And so that was kind of my first question to you is what do you think his landing spot is in this defense? So I'm I'm not hugely high on Tavius Robinson, so I'm going to be influenced by that a little bit. For me, he, I think he's a developmental pass rusher i think i think there is a chance they get so they've they've done this before um if you sort of study their draft class history that and it, and it, it's difficult to do so because eric decosta has gone a long way away from some of their from some of their tendencies as, as a dra- as a team drafting but when you do look back they did used to routinely take guys with with r- ridiculous length and sort of think actually let's just get this guy in the building and develop him the likes of Brent Urban and, and and some of the others and if you go even further back you can get you can find a lot of guys like that where they where they really try to to bring in guys like that and and obviously a few years ago they traded for Calais Campbell to to sort of plug a hole having tried several times to fill I think probably going back as far as Trevor Price shaped hole really in that on that defense um so I think that's what this is I think his role in year one is going to be occasionally playing some snaps in obvious passing down situations where he's rushing inside. Um, I can't see him working into a rotation at the moment on the edge uh, because of the deficiencies in his play. Uh, For me, it felt like a big time 
project pit. Uh, sort of the Ravens saying, you know what, well, let's get this guy in our building and see what we can do with with the raw tools because the raw tools are enticing. Like the the power is is ridiculous at times. He he has no idea how to use his length right now. He he just just doesn't have a clue. He stand he's placed far too tall. His pad level is way too high. He doesn't really understand how to play with leverage. It, you know, it's all a real multiple piece of clay at the moment. And that's clearly why they've brought him in because of the power. I'm just not sure I would have I would have gone there. I think he's got a long, long way to go yet. Uh, and maybe he makes that leap. But for me, it's a big projection with him. Um, and, and obviously, like I said, you want to draft traits. You want to look at that power and the athleticism and the length. And you sort of think, OK, maybe this kid can be something. But the, and, and it's a fourth round pick. I've just talked the same thing about Trenton Simpson sort of taken. So it's a fourth round pick. So let's not get too up in arms about it. But I probably would have gone in a different direction at that point, I think. I think it's funny that you said up in arms about it because that's a huge trait of his um, is just just the pure <laughs> the pure length and the pure size that he brings and. Uh, yeah, it's it's the fourth round. It's it's the start of day three, and and you got to imagine that the Ravens must have had him fairly high on their day three board um, just for those physical traits alone. Um, the thing that I was really encouraged by was he had five forced fumbles. He I think he tied for the FBS lead in in forced fumbles last year, um, and for an unrefined player um, to have that finishing ability that you know I think some Ravens, some young Ravens edge rushers have struggled with. Um, that is, is it is a bit encouraging, but I do agree. Just it's it's not really clear where he where he slots in on this defense. I think, um, you know, in a, in a, in a four, three defense, he might be better accustomed to playing defensive end in a four, three defense than he would be playing outside linebacker or three, three or five tech in, you know, the Ravens defense, the traditional three, four, they run, um, you know, if they can find a way to, you know, he has the power. I think he needs some more size to flip inside. Um, I think that might be kind of his, his best path to making an impact on a rookie deal is, is, is bulking up a bit and being able to flip inside on, on passing downs um, like they've done with Zedaria Smith and Pernod McPhee and a couple other players in the past. Uh, but to do that, he's got to be able to defend against the run too, because there are going to be some third downs and there are going to be some times when he's put on the field and he does have to defend against the run. I do think that is a kind of deficiency of his game right now, despite his length and his play strength, it just doesn't feel like, like you're saying he has the refinement to really, um, you know, shed blocks and also just the, the, the wherewithal to understand where plays are coming at him. I think there's the, there's the, there's the line. I remember the Titans where, um, Gary Bertier is getting mad at Julius for just, you know, going after the ball carrier, just blowing through the line every time. And, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta be aware of the situation. You have to know which gaps you're plugging in and, and, you know, where your teammates are filling in behind you, because it's more than just go get the ball carrier. You're trying to funnel the ball carrier to the rest of your team and get him down as fast as possible. It is not about making splash plays by yourself all the time. I don't think there's that selfishness in his attitude or anything like that, but I do think that lack of refinement in his game, you kind of run that risk early on if you put him in too many run defense situations. Yeah, I completely agree, Nick. And it's, and it's his it's his processing. I think that was the thing. Uh, even even when he was at the point of attack, and it was his responsibility to go get the ball carrier, he 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 couldn't see different types of blocks coming, gap zone. He did it didn't matter. He just could not see where it was coming from. Which means that he can't. You can have all the power, all all the strength in the world, all of the size in the world. You're not. You're if you don't see a block coming, you're not going to beat it. Um, and make a play on the ball carrier, um, so not consistently anyway. So he he's got to improve that. He, that that's a big area of his game that he has to improve, and that's why, for me, um, the projection in terms of him as a run defender was too was just too great for me to justify taking him there in the fourth. Like there's so many interesting traits there, but and and maybe this kudos to the ravens for sort of trying to prioritize pass rush a little bit more um but i i just feel like if he's going to consistently get on the field as a fourth round pick which the ravens have had some success with in terms of taking pass rushes it was it's not an area of the draft where you sort of say okay we're never going to get a starter here um but maybe they have moved on to sort of i, I read a great piece about the rams recently about the the way that they've been drafting when they've not had these first second round picks so they've just been looking for guys for roles for specific roles on, the, on their different units and taking guys that will work for them in those roles and not asking them to do more than that than they need to and and maybe that's the maybe that's the approach with Robinson I just am a little bit of an old-fashioned Ravens fan in the sense that I'm not I'm not happy with that 
from a fourth round pass rusher. I I expect more, and maybe my expectations are a bit too high. Yeah, I mean AFC North though, you got you got to defend the run. I think you know I think there is there's this is a bet to a certain extent on Anthony Weaver. Um, it's a bet to a certain extent uh, on, on even on Chuck Smith to be able to to develop Tavius Robinson into an impact player and really hone those physical skills. Um, but you know with a project like this, I think you just you just got to see where it plays out. The pick is made, and um, you know unlike Simpson and Flowers, you know I'm not really looking for Robinson on the field too much this year. I think it's really going to be you know maybe he can make an impact on special teams. If he bulks up, that's going to be harder at his current size and speed. I think he could, you know, make an impact potentially on special teams, but if he bulks up, that'll get harder. And, and, and otherwise I don't see him get taking the field too much this year, but I think that's the right move. I think this is a developmental pick and you see how it plays out. Uh, someone who I could see getting some snaps this year is Q blue Kelly cornerback um, out of Stanford. This is one of my favorite picks uh, of the Ravens. Um, I'm not just saying that because he was my day three cornerback pick from them in our roundtable rankings, although I am pretty proud of that. Um, I just I just really liked watching this film. I think it was very, to me, it was very clear what kind of player he was, where his strengths were, and what his deficiencies were. I think the Ravens are probably really excited about his ability in press man, um, partially because it's not all physical. I think that sometimes you think about press man as a purely physical endeavor about timing your hands but it's also about your footwork i think luke kelly is really patient when he's in press he doesn't overcommit um and i think that that is something that you don't see from a lot of college press specialists usually it's all about their length it's all about their strength at the at the line of scrimmage um and and preventing players from getting that release off but kelly does a really good job of that short area mirroring to kind of keep guys in front of him and um you know, not necessarily, you know, I, I wouldn't say play strength is one of his, you know, one of his fortes, actually. And so I think by kind of steering away from that a little bit, he's kind of clever in, in in the way that he approaches press situations to, you know, keep himself from getting his weaknesses exposed by using his footwork really, really well. Yeah, that, that for me, I would completely agree, Nikhil. I think you sort of got spot on there with, with the evaluation of him, I feel. I think his his foot quickness is is really is really good. I think he's a smart kid on and off the field, uh, which is really encouraging. I I, um, I also liked him in press man, uh, as you say. Like I don't think he necessarily does it with play strength. It's a lot of techniques and technique and smarts, which is uh, what I really like out of a corner. Um, there's definitely a long speed deficiency there. I've saw him like struggle with recovery specifically. I don't, I don't, he's not specifically that long speed deficient. I think he ran a four or five, didn't he? Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a huge kind of issue. I think it's just uh, he, when he got in trouble, um, he sort of panics a little bit um, in terms of when he's getting in trouble deep. And so you're going to have to look at that. I, I suspect he might get on the field early on inside, actually. I know he's got good length, but it may be that he, he plays early inside and that, that, that would make a ton of sense to me why they would pick him at that point because like they have Pepe Williams and I'm quite high on Pepe Williams, but he's still got a, a ways to go in terms of his development. So getting some insurance there and sort of saying, actually this kid might be able to step on the field pretty early. And maybe if we fix some of that sort of um, like sort of long speed panic type stuff, we might actually be able to get him on the field uh, a bit more consistently later on in his career, more, more outside. And um, to me made a ton of sense to take him at that point. Um, I was, I was pretty happy at, at that point where they, where they took him um, to go with him. And I, I just feel like he, yeah, to, to me, I think he has the, he has the kind of core skill set that you look for in a potentially sort of mid-round successful corner that sticks around in the league for a while. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pleased about that pick. Yeah. Yeah. And he played, I think, I don't think he played much more than a hundred snaps, a little bit over that maybe in the slot in at Stanford. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, he's got this, he's got, he's got the coverage skill set for that. I think one thing that I just felt like in his film was just a, a non-factor in the run game. I felt like he, he got blocked on screens, bubble screens way too easily. Um, that's something that he'll have to beef up in the slot, but we've seen the Ravens do a pretty good job getting a lot out of guys who are kind of smaller and not as physically imposing. Um, but I, I think getting a, a weirdly surprisingly high floor for a player that you can get on, on day three um, as a guy who I could see being a, I don't, I don't think he's ever like a lockdown Island kind of cornerback. He doesn't have the physical profile. He doesn't have the speed, the length, but I could see him just like as a solid cornerback too in the NFL by the end of his rookie contract, just with the the ability that he has coming in. Um, if, if the Ravens are able to kind of tinker a few things, help him just work on, 
like you're saying, the panic recovery, the long speed, um, and just make sure that he is a little bit more of a, I guess, not even an impact player, just less of a liability against the run. Um, I, I think that he could be, he could end up being one of the steals of this of this draft class for the Ravens, honestly. And I, I think the run, the run game deficiency, uh, the run support I saw. But when he did get to a guy, he's this pretty strong, firm tackler. Like I'm, I'm not worried about him from a tackling perspective. I think it's from a, like he 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 waited too long on mm-hmm. plays. Like he waited for things to happen to him rather than going and do and and being the guy who makes things happen in a run game. And and that isn't always a. Um, that's not always a kind of like lack of toughness. It's sometimes it's a, you know, it's, it's something you've been coached to do, or it's something that is, is part of the kind of processing deficiency. And the thing for me was I saw such a ton of smarts in, in the kid as a player and as a person that I kind of do feel like he can make that transition. If he, if the, the Ravens can get him in and, and he sort of sees the way that Marlon Humphrey plays the game that he might become a bit more confident as a run defender and that then translates into a more effective run defender. So I, I'm kind of kind of like a little bullish on his projection as a run defender, even though I saw the same things on film as, as you saw. Yeah, and I think sometimes that's, you know, it, it kind of was a, 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 a byproduct of his patience and coverage and, and kind of a patient play style for, for a cornerback. Yeah. His, his willingness to kind of, you know, he didn't overcommit. He there are very few missteps. I feel like on his tape where he is, you know, caught way out of position. But I feel like as a result, he sometimes does wait a little bit for the play to come to him when it when it turns into a run or if he's not expecting a run or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think this was a really good pick. I think we're gonna smile back on this one. Um, next pick, um, I, I'm gonna try this once and then we'll call him Salah. <laughs> Molly Salah, Amuve Laulu as like okay, I think. Um, I'm sure that. I'm sure Baltimore is going to have a heck of a time trying to pronounce that, especially with the with the Aaron Earn and Iron Earn accent that that we have here. Um, but Salah was an interesting pick, not one that was really on my radar, but kind of a like classic Ravens day three offensive lineman pick. I felt like, you know, not uh, unpronounceable name, notwithstanding. Yeah, I really liked. So I liked both offensive line picks for for different reasons. The the first, this one, I think was, you know, a classic kind of developmental offensive lineman that I, I see some see some potential with. You know, I've talked about how I I'm not sure I see the potential with Xavier Robinson. I definitely do see the potential. I think with Salah, I think he he has kind of acceptable feet. It's not they're not they're not amazing, but it, it's fine in terms of his footwork. But he has remarkable power. Um, like Davies Robinson, but I think di- it, it is different in the sense that I feel like he's accessing that power more consistently at the moment, and so his play strength is 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 good. I feel um, like I think he um, struck. Uh, often you hear sort of people talk about you know guys, oh, that he's going to kick inside to guard, and it kind of frustrates me because. It, sometimes the things that don't work at tackle are also not going to work at guard. The, the guy's just a bad offensive lineman. It's not that you kick inside the guard and suddenly he's a great offensive lineman. You kind of have to be looking at the projection and saying, do the things that he does well and the things that he's deficient in fit as a as a potential move inside. Not everybody can make that move. Um, and I do think some of the things that I saw on film from him will, will be helped by a move inside. Um, I felt like he struggled the most when he had someone traveling further to him. So when he was facing a guy who's playing a, a really wide nine technique um, and he's got a, he's out in space on his own on an island and the guy's got all this space to go at him, he, he, he looked uncomfortable. He looked a little cumbersome and it looked like a struggle for him in pass protection. But when he was dealing, and it didn't happen that often because he only played, he did play guard a few snaps, but it was more when Oregon was running a, a specific um, specific play. So you occasionally got to see him place um, go up against someone that was maybe a five technique or a four eye. And then you saw a different side to him, I think, as a pass protector. You saw a much more comfortable guy. Um, the the things that he does need to work on, like he, he is going to need a coach to get into his strategy with him. He just massively overuses his outside hand, his outside strike. It just doesn't quite work. And actually, sometimes that hand is badly placed. And so you then don't get his play strength coming into play. But... I felt like the power was was really remarkable, actually. And I felt like I said he was accessing it consistently enough for me to think this is gonna this is gonna work at the next level. Um he's got some st- strategic different strategic choices to make. That's different to a technical refinement you have to make. It's more about 
just doing things differently, like understanding how to how to construct a plan to go up against somebody across from you down in and down out. Um, but I really liked him in the run game because of that power. Um, I think he's going to, I think he could develop into something long-term. I think you're going to have to take some time with him. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, I don't think he's going to win the starting left guard job immediately, but I do think when we look a year or two down the line, we might see a guy who is at worst, a kind of six offensive lineman type guy who's able to play. I think he might have the versatility to make play multiple positions, even though he hasn't done yet. Um, so you might look at a guy who's at least sort of, on the fringe of contributing and maybe three, four years down the line turns into another Ben Powers who's managed to develop and, and play and plays a great season before he goes and signs a contract somewhere else. Yeah. Powers is a great, a great guy to bring up. Um, I think when we're talking about day three offensive linemen, um, kind of like Bradley Bozeman, although I think Bozeman was starting by a second or third year. I don't remember, but um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to talk about these day three linemen because of, of how often linemen pick up these just week to week knocks, you know, they're such big guys. They're moving around so much weight and, Having, you know, having depth and having guys that, you know, you in a weird way, having a developmental guy like Salah on the roster, um, you know, when you pick up a knock to your right guard or your right tackle, and even if it's for a series or two, you get him out there. Um, I, that's kind of what I'm looking for for him over his rookie contract, like by next year, his third year. Am I comfortable with him stepping in at right guard, right tackle for a game for a couple series if I need to? Because for a day three guard, that's or for a day three offensive lineman, that's really, really what you're what you're looking for. You're not drafting this guy to step in and be a starting tackle for you when his first or second year. That's fantastic. That would be amazing. Um, but with the amount of refinement that you have to do in this game, do you feel comfortable that he has the base set of skills to be an NFL offensive lineman? And do you feel like you have the coaching really and i think the ravens do and joe dallas do you have the coaching to then coach him up into a guy who can really who can start for you someday or start in the nfl someday um i, I very very i feel like very very few day three linemen really end up starting um by their team's preference on their rookie contract a lot of them end up starting because of injuries or you know uh, you know something or another um but Typically, a lot of these day three guys are are depth pieces. And like you're saying, if they're the sixth, seventh offensive lineman who can back up two positions, that's excellent, excellent value. And that's an excellent pick. Um, last pick in the Ravens draft, they traded back into the draft to pick up Andrew Voorhees, offensive lineman out of USC. Uh, and, and man, am I excited about this pick? I, it has to be mentioned. Voorhees tears his ACL at the combine, comes back the next day and benches the most reps of anyone in the whole dang thing. If that's not a Raven, I don't know who is because that 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 that's that's grit, that's dedication. Um, and and that is also the other thing to me is that is also very much an awareness of this process and of what's important and of what teams are looking for. Um, knowing that no team is going to blame you for not showing up, no team is going to think twice of it if you don't show up the next day after tearing your ACL. But you know, every team is going to take note of the fact that you did. I was just surprised, honestly, that he fell this far. I feel like there were quite a few teams with you know, three or four picks in the sixth and the seventh round. They had comp picks that would have used one on him for a red shirt rookie year, basically with his ACL um, just to get him in the building. And then, you know, you have a guy who could potentially, I'm not sure if it's a position you want to be in, but if his recovery goes, okay, you have a guy who potentially could be competing for a starting job in his second year, just with all of the pure experience he has on the offensive line. So obviously I'm really excited about this pick. Yeah, I, I I am too. I I was um kind of stoked when they uh, when they traded back in. I was kind of hoping it was for Voorhees. It just it made sense. Uh, you know, they sort of looked at their board and and will have sort of said like, okay, we could trade a sixth round pick to get in here. You know, is Voorhees better than a sixth rounder next year? Because they're not going to get him till next year anyway. So it was sort of a, a calculation they clearly made, and it, I think it was the right calculation. I think you can be across the board a little bit on him. I think there are um, some people that would say he's sort of a third round grade. Some people would sort of say he's a fifth round grade. I don't think anyone's really saying he's a sixth round grade. So the value there is is great. I um, the, the main thing I thought that was interesting with this pick was, um, and, and you've got to temper this a little bit with the, he was a sixth round offensive lineman. So let's not try and read too much into this, but it's interesting to see what Todd Munkin's offense will be next year uh, in Baltimore. You know, is he going to take a heavy dose of the gap concepts that Greg Roman has run for so many years here and try and apply them? Or is he going to play more zone, which I, I personally hope he will? Um, 
mainly because it's going to unlock some of the really talented offensive linemen that the Ravens have in terms of Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum. Like that's going to be a real boon for those two guys. But Voorhees is a guy who I felt was pretty cumbersome in space, actually. The more the more space style a block was, the more in space it was. Like if he's at the second level, the, the more he sort of struggled because he just doesn't quite have the athletic ability of all the other Ravens picks. I, I don't feel he didn't test. So we don't really know apart from the bench press. But I do I do think on tape he seemed less athletic than some of the other guys. So that was interesting to me. Another guy who who I think works best inside. Obviously, that's the majority of the way he played uh, where he played at USC. Um, I like him pass protection when he's when he's able to jump set. He gets his hands on quickly, which means he can bend pretty well, and he's able to to use the power that he has. The big thing that I love is his 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 mano a mano run blocking. Like it's just. You know, you get him at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage in a just a gap block. If it's a down block, if it's a base block, any type of kind of gap block where he's just got to impose his will on a guy opposite him, he does that. And he, you know, he finishes with nasty and he's competitive and he's a real typical offensive lineman that, that the Ravens would sort of target, I think, in this, in this, in this, um, phase of the draft and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do if, if he's able to sort of, um, to, to hold up as a as an interior pass protector, which I think he can, um, because I also think he's got a he's got a good anchor too. Um, if he's able to sort of overcome the kind of athletic deficiency that he has, and he's not he's not asked to too often get out in space. By the way, pulling um, for me separate to set to space blocking. Like as a puller, you get him on a track, he's going to obliterate someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if he's able to overcome the kind of space deficiency in a potentially more zone based um, offense, uh, running offense from the Ravens, then he could be he, he like he is a guy, I think, who will obviously not immediately compete because of his ACL. But I do think he's a guy who will immediately compete when he gets in, when he gets healthy next year. You know, he's he's immediately going to compete for a starting guard job and the Ravens are going to feel pretty good about that. And that that's kind of what I like about this 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 pick and the Simpson pick was you sort of value picks with an eye down the road for next year when the Ravens might have a, a problem that that we'll all be looking at a year down the road and actually suddenly it pops up that Voyes is is ready and starts at guard when there's when there's an issue maybe Tyler leaves or somebody hasn't filled the left guard job particularly well um, in this past season. Yeah, something that uh, Brad Spielberger, I think, mentioned a couple weeks ago leading up to the draft was, you know, don't just look at immediate needs, you know, immediate needs for teams, especially for these day two and three picks. Look at their future needs. What are their needs going to be next year? Who are their pending free agents? Because that's how teams are thinking. They're not thinking that, you know, your 100, your 157th or whatever overall pick is going to come in and fill a need day one. You're thinking I can develop him to fill potentially fill a need for me down the line. I think that Voorhees just outstanding value i mean you watch his you watch his college film and 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 this might be a little hyperbole but you watch his college film and you're like yeah that's a guy that's gonna play on sundays he he may not be again that he may not have the super high-end traits he's good he's probably gonna be a guard only in the nfl i would really ideally not like to have to kick him out to tackle him out to tap um but that being uh, that is a that is a starting NFL guard, and it is clear from his tape that he is going to be playing on Sundays um, as long as his recovery with his ACL goes okay. And that is the risk with this pick, that his recovery with his ACL goes okay, especially considering that his deficiencies in his game are mostly related to his movement skills. And so that's, that's, that's the one risk with this pick. But I think, again, the value proposition that was there in terms of trading that future pick to get a guy who is clearly more valuable than that future pick um, and could be way more valuable in that future pick by by the time all is said and done. I think was a was a great move. So um, I know it's early still. Were there any undrafted Ravens, undrafted free agents that signed with the Ravens that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I mean, I like Demas um, as most people do because because he is a Maryland guy. Uh, but as a non Maryland, Nikhil <laughs> uh, Sherrod is, is Maryland colors. Uh, as a non Maryland resident, I obviously have a huge soft spot for Maryland. Uh, but as a non Maryland resident, I think I can be pretty. Um, I can you can be safe that I'm I'm pretty um, 
non-biased in terms of this and I, I so i am kind of excited about demas there there, there are some things that he's definitely going to need to work on to be to to, to be able to contribute to the nfl that's why he went undrafted but there are also a reason why he went undrafted was the injury so i do feel that before the injury i started to see some stuff if he's the guy that he was before the injury then then yeah, I, I feel like that is a really great pickup in, in undrafted free agency. I also kind of like Keaton Mitchell um, from East Carolina, but it'll be interesting to see if he can dislodge Justice Hill because that's that's the role that he can play. I suspect he might. There have been flashes with Justice Hill, but I expect Keaton Mitchell might be able to provide more as a kind of scat back um, in the future. It's just... It's really hard to remove Justice Hill from the team because of his of his special teams ability, and so I just I'd be surprised if that happens. But it's an interesting sort of a camp battle to watch. That if Keaton Mitchell can can rise to the ability that I think he can have, and let's not I'm I'm not you know he's a, he's a scout bag. He bounces too much. Like there's there's lots of deficiencies with his game, but as a complementary piece to to Dobbins and Edwards, um, if he's able to get in camp and and develop, uh, you know he might start to challenge Justice Hill, and maybe he's a guy who ends up on the practice squad, who in a year or two ends up making it onto the fifty three, and uh, and we talk about pretty positively. Yeah, yeah, I think you know every year there's every year there's one. It feels like there's there's one guy that emerges uh, in camp in the preseason to make the roster. I think. 2021, there was not one. Yeah, 2021, I don't believe there was an undrafted creation to make the roster come to think of it. But almost every year, it feels like there is one. Definitely some candidates, but it definitely does take so much time. Usually, it's not even the guy that you think it's going to be. Um, I think the only time where an undrafted free agent made the team that everyone expected him to was our Darius Washington. Um, other than that, I feel like the undrafted free agents that make the team are, you know, they're they're not always the guys that you get the most excited about after the draft. They really put in the work and prove themselves in camp and in August. Um, last question I had for you, James, before we log off, any other draft classes, any other NFL teams that you're really excited about their draft class? Everyone's talking about Howie and the Eagles. Um, the strategy of take the best player on the consensus board isn't actually really that bad of a strategy. Um, wisdom of the crowds is a very real thing. And a lot of, a lot of data has proven that, especially about the NFL draft. So Eagles definitely getting a lot of high praise for their draft. Any other draft class that you were a big fan of? Yeah. I mean, obviously depressingly, I, I liked the Steelers draft um, mm -hmm. quite a lot. Like uh, I feel Broderick Jones was a, was an, was a nice pick in the first round. Joey Porter Jr. I do feel has a, has some deficiencies that he needs to work on, but as a, as a you know, as a press, a long press man corner, he's great. I like Keanu Benton. Donna Washington has a has a huge sort of hugely high ceiling. I thought they did really well to get Corey Trice in the seventh as well. Yeah. Um, so it felt like that was a really good draft. And and you know, having not found a role for Andy Weidel when he left originally to the Eagles, it feels like it's coming. It's it's going to bite us again here. Um, but that's that's um, that's the 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 nature of the beast. I think he that's a that's a really good class. I think I I also really liked the Colts class. I think um, for me, um, I talked a bit about this on the UK Ravens podcast. I, I I feel Anthony Richardson has the chance to be the best quarterback out of this class. I I think I've I saw so much on film from him that suggests to me he's gonna um, you know I. I don't think I don't share the opinion that he's a raw talent. Like I think he is an inexperienced talent, and I think that's very different. I think the the things he does on the field are special as a thrower. Obviously, he has all the arm talent, but I mean in terms of his processing as well. Um, like he learns very quickly, and he sees things on an F, on a college field that you know the high level NFL quarterbacks would see. So for me, he's a guy could be the best best quarterback in this class so I thought they did you know to get to, to really stick to their guns and get him at four was really great but then there were other guys in that class I like I like Brent's I liked where they got out of Boare um so yeah I felt the Colts did a pretty good job as well yeah Richardson I, I completely agree I was just I was going to say the same thing I don't think of him so much as raw as I do in experience and those are two very different things and you know the the subtleties in his game that a lot of people have pointed out on film are pretty advanced and not, you know, definitely not as far off from the rest of the quarterbacks in the class as people think. And and to me, again, the difference really is the number of college, the number of, you know, first team college snaps that those guys got to play compared to Richardson. And and, and when you give Richardson the snaps and you let him develop, there are going to be some growing pains. He's probably, I think CJ Stroud probably is the highest immediate floor of any QB in this class, him or Young. 
they're probably going to come in and, and light things up. Richardson will have some highlight plays, but there will probably be some growing pains with him too. But I think you look down the road and you look at what Richardson could be. And, and you, you don't just look at what he could be in terms of the physical tools. You think of what he could be in terms of what his develop his processing developmental track has been already and, and, and how encouraging that is to get really excited. And then, yeah, it just, it just felt like the Colts again, did a really good job. You know, I like Julius Brandt's, Josh Downs, I feel like is such a slot only guy in the NFL, but in the third round, that's pretty solid value for a guy that could do a lot damage out of the slot. You mentioned Adebayo. Um, I really like Darius Rush. I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious to see exactly what happened. If there was a medical issue or something that he felt, he fell down boards a bit farther than I expected because um, I saw quite a few people that actually had him pretty much neck and neck with Cam Smith. Um, the South Carolina teammates. Um, and I actually personally preferred rush based on the few games that I had watched. I didn't watch all of South Carolina's films. So got to put that caveat in there, but um, you know, yeah, I agree. Really good draft class from them. And yeah, kills me. It kind of kills me. I, I love Omar Khan. He's a, you know, South Asian football executive. That's kind of cool for me to see. Um, but it does kill me to see them walk away with just so many good players. Um, I was actually kind of wondering if we were trading back into the draft um, to get Corey Trice ourselves. Um, of course, that wasn't to be not that I mind Voorhees at all. Very happy with Voorhees, but it, it is tough to see so many players I like go to our biggest rival. Good draft class for them. James, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad you're on the podcast, not just so that our viewers can learn so much more. But for me personally, I feel like it's such an education about the draft class um, that I'm really excited to see what comes next. Thanks, Nico. I had a blast. All right. Thanks, James.